And now, from a secret lair, 20,000 leagues under the sea, it is now time for another podcast with Jazz Stretto and co-hosts, Planetary Ashes, Ventus the Time Lord, and Aaron Bob Gaming, CJB. Grab the popcorn, the show is about to begin. And hello, ladies and gentlemen. Jazz Stretto here from Jazz Stretto. Let's play here today to do podcast number 21 with my very good friend and co-host, Ventus the Time Lord. Hey everybody, it's Ventus the Time Lord and it's Podcast 21. Wow, still sounds weird saying that. <laughs> True, and considering it's also freaking hot, it um, makes it even more worse for us. <laughs> oh, my phone is on fire. <laughs> you had to put it in the fridge again? No. <laughs> I just put my phone in the fridge one day, it's a long story. <laughs> as always, guys, all information is correct as of the 4th of November 2016, the day we record this. And as always, first section of our podcast as always is game reviews. Let's head into it. And I'm already doing that because our first <laughs> thing is important to that. <laughs> yes, that's true. The first piece of, well, it's, well, it is classified as a game-related review. The NES Classic Edition. Yes. It's <laughs> not just, well, it's not just a, it's not just a gaming thing. It's actually a console, which mm. is new. Well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. Alright. Who's reading me? Why read. not? You're the nin- <laughs> look, you're our podcast Nintendo expert. Oh yeah, well, oh yeah, that's right I am. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. I still feel genuinely excitement genuine excitement whenever I reach the fourth world of Super Mario Bros. three for the NES, and that rush of adrenaline is a testament to the power of the great classic video games of the nineteen eighties and early nineties. We know almost everything about them, but they st- can still entertain us almost 30 years later. Nintendo's tiny retro console is a wonderful reminder that the great 8-bit classics will never die. It comes preloaded with a great library of 30 mostly excellent games from the NES era, with headliners like The Legend of Zelda, Mega Man 2, and Dr. Mario for an attractive, well, $60 in US. I'm pretty sure it's probably a bit more than that in Australia. $60 high- US, that's about $100 Australian, roughly. Yeah, roughly. that makes sense. And its high-quality emulation wipes the floor with the Wii U's ugly NES virtual con- <laughs> console. But for all of its remarkable authenticity, the, the ridiculously short controller wires make it a pain to make it a pain to use. <laughs> mm. Huh. Well, I don't think that, I don't think this is the only thing they're making this year. I've heard they're actually doing a Super Nintendo version as well. So this is actually quite interesting mm. what they're doing. Let's read the verdict, shall we? So I just dropped Sonic there in my room. The selection of 30 beautiful emulated, mostly classic games makes a strong case to own a NES Classic as a way to easily revisit old favourites and introduce them to a new generation. Nintendo made sure to pick up the visual filters that made the most sense for its first dedicated classic video game machine. I can I just can't understand why somebody thought limiting us to a 2.5 2.5 foot controller cables was a good idea because it really limits where and how you can enjoy these games. 
Oh, my simple, my simple response to that is this: fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> now it is set to at least sometime this month. Uh, yep. TV game, so you plug it into your TV. It's kind of like those controllers, like they had those little controllers, and you could just plug it in, and you could play a ge- like about four games on it. It's mm. a bit like that, except Nintendo style. <laughs> Opa, Nintendo style. <laughs> I, well, to be honest, I think this is actually a really good idea. Like, maybe the the controller may be small and stuff. And mm. I guess that's maybe the biggest criticism. But at the same time, I think it's actually a pretty clever thing to essentially do. I mean, the fact that they're releasing this and releasing titles like The Legend of Zelda and stuff, especially Zelda because mm. it's the 30th, it gives you that idea of the nostalgia for those classic... Um, for those old-time gamers from who grew up in that period, but it's also good just to see the history of um, gaming in different form for even some of the mm. later generations, like like ourself, like myself or something. So, you know, I think it's a good idea. Just probably could have made it a bit bigger. Well, I grew up in the late '80s, so the uh, last three years of the '80s. So, yeah, I like mm, these games. I'd... Yeah, I think they're great. It's a great selection. I mean, that's just Zelda and Doctor Mario and all that are just a few. Just a few that we know. I mean, they've got... I'm reading in some of this extra, it says, like, games like Castle... The original Castlevania mm. and Metroid are on there, too, and those are great games. I mean, Castlevania. As, lo- as long as they don't have Castlevania 2, we're okay. Yeah. Okay, IGN rated it 7.5. They thought it was good. Nintendo's tiny console is wonderfully made, but it's a painfully short controller. Limits how you enjoy these games. Hmm. As, as established from before, and to be honest... I think that's the only criticism I would truly give it. Like, I think it's a great idea, but could have made it maybe not the same size as the actual NES, but at least try to replicate it so you could actually extend the controller limit. Mm. Like, or even make it, like, kind of give it, like, a... Make it wireless. Even making it wireless would have been a pretty good idea. Well, if I'm not mistaken, you should be able to buy um, cable extenders for it, for the controller. Yeah, probably. Somewhere yeah, out there. Probably. Yeah, probably, but I think, but for me personally, I don't think I'd buy this. Even though it's a it's a great deal because the thing is, you get thirty free games on mm. a hundred dollar console. But personally, I'd probably just stick with the the virtual console. I know that I know that these guys said it's better than that, but I think yeah, I would just only get this if you don't have a Wii U, honestly, mm. or. Or 3DS, because there's even NES games on the 3DS, so... Yeah, it's just my opinion, though. It, but I'd say the pr- score it's gotten is probably as good as it's going to get, really. Yeah. Mm. Nah. Ah, that's better. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> moving on to the next game in our list of games to review for tonight. A game which I have never actually heard of, but it does sound interesting. Owlboy. Um... I will just briefly say this. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But ever since on YouTube lately, every time I go onto my newsfeed or my subscriptions page, mm. every a lot of people are playing it. They say it's like something real. It sounds good, actually. I don't know anything about it, but it does sound something to look. I think it's a good thing to look at. Yeah. Old Boy is a game about weakness, but it's for lovable cast of characters. Individual weakness only strengthen their bond as a team of oh, excuse me, as a team of misfits seeking to save the world. This theme gracefully weaves itself through their thrilling dungeon diving adventures, 
but manifests mostly strong in the creativity, creative approach to its retro 2D Metro Divinia Metro style <laughs> combat and exploration that brings both variety and charm to every moment of our boy's roughly 10-hour journey. Wow. This is ex- well. To be honest, every metro, every time a Metroidvania game gets style game gets released, it's always going to get attention. Which is no surprise why I've been seeing this constantly on my newsfeed. Mm. Because, well, pl- if you're going to play a game like Super Metroid or Castlevania, and you get a get, like, I mean, they release a lot of these games only every so often. They're always popular. Like, mm. like I said, like, I know very little, but I've he- but from what I've heard, it's good. Mm. Um, I mean, just based on that, 10, hour, 10 hours may not seem like much, but the thing is for a Metroidvania game, it's pretty decent. True. Oh, oh. Cowboys. The verdict. Owlboy shines thanks to surprisingly varied Metroidvania-style gameplay and charming cast of unlikely heroes whose bittersweet journey is amongst the best I've ever experienced in the recent years. Its remarkably detailed pixel art makes every scene more breathtaking than the last but it's the relationships between characters in both story and gameplay that makes Owlboy something truly special. Hmm. Well, I think it'd be worth a look. Do we actually have a... Co- oh, it's on, oh, it's on PC. Might yes, Owlboy released on November 1 for PC only, unfortunately, for those console players out there. Well, I might, I might get this game if it's <laughs> worth it in my time. Yes, it's on PC, and I've said it many times... But this might be an exception. <laughs> now, IGN might... rated it 9.3 out of 10. They thought it was amazing. Our boy's charming, action-packed 2D adventure, trimming with a variety of bittersweet story I won't soon forget. Hmm. That's good. Like, I mean, looking at some of the art style and looking at some of the gameplay, it does look like a game that would attract my attention, definitely mm. would attract my attention, so I'm not surprised that it's gotten a good thing and like a metroidvania game usually gets marks this high because of how great the art is how well it kind of lives up back to that style it's always popular i mean it kind of reminds the background of the image i'm looking at kind of reminds me of the old um street fighter for n64 game oh yeah pixelated background art well if it was well it's not obviously it's not developed by capcom but it does take that kind of style i mean it's like when Mm. shovel knight came out that was all the 8-bit style gameplay, so True. it does take a bit... also looks a bit like Final Fantasy's background in the battle... Mm. <laughs> battles, but yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd like to give this game a go if I ever got the chance. Hmm. Alright, moving on to the next gamer for review, one that our very good friend and very rare co-host at the moment, Planetary Ashes, would go nuts about. Hitman Episode 6, Hokkaido. I think that's mm. how you pronounce it. Hokkaido, Interesting. Yeah. And I believe... This I is the final this, one. Yeah, I think this is the... Yeah, we mentioned in our last um, podcast that this would probably... Be, this was most likely going to be the last one for this season. Mm. Like, not necessarily the last game, not necessarily the last episode of all time, but definitely the end of this, of this season of Hitman. So... Mm. Probably best you play the first five episodes, which we reviewed about... I think we reviewed four. I don't know if we reviewed the fifth, but we reviewed a few. Mm. So, um, I'll, I'll read this one. Go ahead. IO Interactive's episodic Hitman experiment is over, or at least the first season is, anyhow. 
The end result has been slightly uneven. The season began with a strong pair of missions, but subsequent episodes were never quite able to match them. But I, IO, or EO, has managed to wrap up proceedings on every possible note. Him in episode 6 for Kato's 47 flex in every one of his murderous muscles, and it's easily the best episode since April's terrific Shen P's mission. I remember when we reviewed that one, actually. Mm. We did review that. We did think it was. Re- we did think it was really good. I mean, I think Mitch Mitch covered that pretty well, actually. Yeah. So, looks like they've gone out with a bit of a bang for the first season. True. Well, for Hitman, Hitman is always about missions and assassinations and stuff, and so we can probably only gather that. Funny thing, mm. it's been released on Halloween. That's nice. <laughs> yes, it was. Hitman Episode 6 Hokkaido was released on October 31 for PS4, PC, and Xbox One. I wonder how many people dressed as this guy for Halloween. Who knows? No, I think there was a ton of bloody Harlequins and, um... What's his... Neemans, or whatever his name was, from The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Negan. Yeah. Yeah. The guy with the baseball bat. Dude, go away. You had a commercial shop. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's read uh, the verdict, shall we? Yep. Yeah. Hitman. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Hitman episode six, Hokkaido, is one of the best levels this season and great mission to the end the year on. The map itself is very good. The atmosphere is excellent. The hits are challenging, tricky, and more than a little James Bond esque. The Snowden private clinic has a real spectre on Her Majesty's Secret Service vibe to it. Hokkaido is vintage Hitman at its most creative. Well, that will definitely get people to play it then. <laughs> mm, IGN rated it 8.3 out of 10. They thought it was great. Hitman Episode 6 Ricardo is easily one of the best levels this season. Atmospheric and tricky. You know, it's so hard to review this for ourselves because we're not the big Hitman... We're not the Hitman players of the group. No, I, as I said before, before we started recording, I did try and get in touch with Planetary Ashes to see if he wanted to join us tonight, but again, no. It's just, yeah, it's probably just, it's just a weird period at the moment. But hey, mm. we'll have to just say, tell us more about it one day. So we can actually, one day, just give us some notes and we'll read them for you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All right, yeah. moving on well, to the next um, game, the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Special Edition. Yay. <laughs> I can <laughs> finally possibly get this game, maybe. No promises, though. Yes, it's been released on both um, P- all PC, PS4, and Xbox One. And if you haven't played it already, it's on PS3 and Xbox 360, and it was already on PC, but this is the updated version. Hmm. When I play a remastered version of a game I love, I expect it to be at least as good as the old one in every way. And unfortunately, with Skyrim Special Edition on PC, which is the one we're reading now, that expectation hasn't been fully met. There's some good stuff under the hood here, and it's great that Bethesda has made it free for anyone who owns the original and all its expansions, but it comes off as barely better than what we've already had on PC for years, and temporarily turns back the clock on the available mods. Mm. They do have. They actually do have a separate um, review for the PS4 and Xbox One reviewers. I'm mm. actually seeing here, so you can actually have a look and see how that one started off as well, just to kind of, well, like shift it a bit, so mm. um, people know that there might be some good stuff out of the other one. Which I'll I'll read that part because I've just opened it up. Yeah, watch before um, you read that. It um, releases. Uh, well, released on October 28th 
four. This is the first time I've seen it on this um, website. The Switch, the Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Yeah, the Switch. That's right. A lot of people might have noticed that Skyrim was actually spotted in the Switch's uh, Switch's first trailer, and I and well, I lost my shit when I heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'll just quickly read the opening for the PS4 Xbox One release. Mm-hmm. Rigid and coarse, Ralph's hair looks like a piece of dust-caked banana Laffy Taffy I once found under my couch. Okay. It's the <laughs> first thing I... S- I don't know. It's the first thing I saw in Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Special Edition as we rode in the cart toward our execution, and it didn't leave the best first impression. But soon after, mm. I'd spy rich... Foliage carpeting the floors of dark fir forests and light bouncing off choppy waters on Lake Ilil... Excuse me, if I get this wrong. Ilinalta. Sorry, I haven't played enough Skyrim. (laughs) And these sites would kindle a homesickness for this made-up world I explored for months five years ago. But the game's consistency of the graphics upgrade leaves Skyrim in a strange place. The Nordic homeland looks better here, no doubt, but never quite good enough to let it pass for a modern game. And it lacks any new content or behind-the-scenes features to make it feel fresh for a returning adventurer. Much as the profits over at Bethesda Game Studios foretold, the Dragonborn has returned to us, but it's certainly not the second coming. Skyrim Special Edition review captures and beautifies the original game, but leaves a lot of room for an even more special edition down the road. Let me just make this clear, guys. This is not Elder Scrolls Six. This is just a remake of Skyrim because of how popular it is and because everyone likes Skyrim. That is true. Now, IGN rated the PC version 7.3. They thought it was good. The PC Special Edition may become the definitive Skyrim version, but for now, it's one step forward and two back. Well, as for the PS4 and um, Xbox One version, they gave it 8.8, which was great. Mm. (laughs) Skyrim Special Edition recaption beautifies the legendary RPG but leaves room for an even more special edition, just as I mentioned before. Mm. And to be honest, it kind of... To be honest, we've reviewed quite a few, um, and even Good Game has reviewed a few HD remakes or whatnot, and they've never really been... None of them have been really successful. Like Arkham, mm. the Arkham games got bad la- la- backlash when it got released. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was too bright. Yeah. I was like... And same went for... De- we talked about... When we talked about Dead Rising a few weeks ago, we got this, that got the same backlash. It's mm. just... What's, what's next? We're going to review Assassin's Creed Ezio's tri- Ezio Trilogy, and that's going to get even more, even though I think it deserves it. Probably. But, honestly, the one thing that excites me about this is that it is being released on Nintendo console in... 2017 for the Switch because, after all, Nintendo has never, and I repeat, never had Elder Scrolls game attached to its console. So, that makes me excited um, that Nintendo's finally getting the chance. I mean, yeah, I think it's better. If you're not gonna wait, if you're not patient for that, just get it on the PS4 or Xbox One, or if you really want to get the PC version, as we mentioned before, but honestly, if it gives... The fact is, it's giving you all the DLC for free as well, the PS4 and Xbox One mm. edition, so... I'd recommend you just take it or leave it. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Now, moving along to the next game for review, Titanfall 2. So, if we co- so here's the other game. Here's the game that gets released simultaneously with its other um, franchise, Call of Duty. Pretty much. Yeah. It's basically the go. same thing, except for one has a massive mecha in it. Yeah, but it's still it's still 
Uh, never mind, you read this one. <laughs> <laughs> when Respawn Entertainment first uh, first showed off its concept for Titanfall and it hinted at a single and multiplayer first-person shooter full of acrobatic action and towering robot warriors that could rival Call of Duty, Titanfall 2 is a game that I wanted to play. Respawn has doubled down on its compelling formula of breakneck movement and grandiose scale, tapping the vein of those of those literal and figurative explosive moments that we brag about afterwards. Excuse me. And this time around, the first game's lacking single-player component has been addressed with admirable results, offering an engaging, excuse me, an, an engaging trek through a universe that was begging to be finished out or fleshed out. Sorry. Hmm. Well. For someone who hasn't really played Titanfall, I can't really say too much about it, but it does seem to get the, get more. It's getting more. Titanfall Two is getting more attention than COD is these days. I think at the moment, like, yeah. Because Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, whatever it's called, I think got released today. I think so. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, and I've I've mainly heard that people have been wanting to get Titanfall Two, not not um Call of Duty. I mean, there might be some change that maybe that's just me being my non-COD playing version of myself, but I'm actually being pretty honest when I say that, because the thing is, the thing about, I mean, I try not to talk about COD in this, but the truth is COD hasn't really changed much other than trying to do some minor tweaks, like go into space, but Titanfall is a franchise that's only just had its second game, and it's better than the first one by the looks of it. Hmm. Now I'll read the I mean, verdict. It's rare yeah, that a sequel evolves on every part of the original concept so consistently for the better. <clears throat> but Titanfall 2 is that exception. Its feel-good movement is the foundation for both the engaging action and platforming gameplay of its strong campaign and its over-the-top competitive multiplayer with bolstered progression, customization, variety and a fleshed-out story Respawn has made it good on its original vision with Titanfall 2. And the bottom line, it's damn fun to play. Well, that's always a po that's a positive, I'd say. Like, if you're going to... Like, I think the multiplayer is going to be the main thing that gets its attention. Like, as it says, over-the-top mm. competitive multiplayer. Look at... But honestly, look at all the multiplayer games that have been released this year. And they've all been shooters. And they've all been popular. I mean, we've had Overwatch. We've Dude. had another one that... We had Doom, we had that other one that everyone forgot about that was released before, Battleborn. Battleborn and, and Paladins and, yeah. And um, we even have, what's that one, Rocket Racer keeps getting more expansions. Rocket League. It's like, yeah, Rocket League, Rocket Racer, Rocket League, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. It's just same, same thing. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I, I think it's worth it. Mm. Yeah. Titanfall 2 was released October 28th for PS4, Xbox One and PC. Well, now, IGN has rated it 9 out of 10. It's become the editor's choice. They thought it was amazing. A long-awaited single-player campaign puts Titanfall 2's feel-good mobility onto a sprawling platform playground. Oh, just here's my last word of advice. Just buy this game instead of Call of Duty. I think this one will do much better for you. <laughs> mm. Right, okay. and now for the last game for our um, game review section... Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. Oh, okay. I didn't know it actually had been released yet. Or oh, maybe it's just about to be. I can't remember. Like, 
I do like Dra I do like me some Dragon Ball. No, it hasn't been released yet, but um, IGN got, got a preview of it, so yeah. I'll read this one. I do like I do like me hmm. some Dragon Ball. Oh, come on, load you. <laughs> that is why I have all my tabs open, ready to go. So I just click through. <laughs> yeah, and I have them open too, but my computer goes even slower when I do that. So <laughs> anyway. Die Hard, Dragon Ball Z fans have fi finally have a game to feel good about. It might stumble a bit along the way with some odd design choices and rough edges, but Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2's mix of fan service, fast-paced arena brawling, and long-term questing and progression scratch a long-standing itch for series fans. The unique and ambitious concept of the Xenoverse series really sets it apart from, from the rank-and-file of licensed anime games. It's a three-dimensional arena brawler seated with an MMO lights structure, which provides both the immediate fun of DBZ, Dragon Ball Z's big battles and a broader experience of being a new Dragon Ball character that is, inhabits the same universe and grows gradually in power of time, just like the franchise's greatest heroes. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> one, one positive I really thought about Xenoverse 1, like, it wasn't the best game when mm. it came out, but I thought the idea of customization was always cool. Yeah. But... I like that fact that Xenoverse is taking a different direction because all those Dragon Ball Z games we've had for years, like Budokai, Tenkaichi, mm. Burslem, it's all just been the same story over and over and over, just with new, with slightly new mechanics. But it's always been the same. Pretty much. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad because I always love playing a new Dragon Ball Z game, but it's like they don't really add any more to the story because Dragon Ball didn't have anything to expand upon until about the last two years when they started um, releasing the two new movies. And, and the now series. With, and yeah, with Dragon Ball Z Super, which is only just in English English sub at the moment. They're still working their way to doing English dub. But I can't right wait now to watch it in dub. It'll be so much fun. Yeah, I can't wait to, like, I've been waiting for, to watch it because I've decided I don't want to watch it in sub or in, um, just, or just in Japanese because mm. I just thought, even though I've gotten spoilers constantly because Dragon Ball Z just does that. But the point <laughs> is, I think it's great that Dragon Ball Z has been coming up with more ways to experiment now because they can just. Um, mm. I mean, who doesn't want to be a who doesn't want to be a fracking Dragon Ball Z character? Like, come on, who doesn't mm. want to be? Well, actually, I saw a very weird um, animation on Facebook today. You see, um, it's a battle between I think it's Goku and Vegeta and Krillin's there. Vegeta's in massive ape form. He eats Krillin. And then Yamcha comes by, cuts off Vegeta's tail, and um, Vegeta becomes nothing, basically. Krillin's still in his normal size and in Vegeta's skin, literally. <laughs> okay, that's for time. Oh, okay. well, it's a dorkly that's video, what do you expect? <laughs> or a college humor no, one, one of the two. Not all animated ones are bad. <laughs> Alright, why don't you read the verdict? Um, sure, hold on, let me just get it. <laughs> um, first and foremost, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 releases, well, it just says 2016, doesn't actually have a official it's release TBA, date. so it should be in the next two months. So, this month yeah, and next month, so we shall see. I think it's expected for the release the next few weeks, but yeah, the next few months. Mm. Um, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2's ambition is admirable, and though it's riddled with a lot of silly little inconveniences, it mostly succeeds in giving DBZ fans an authentic feeling world to dive into for the long haul. Though no individual element of its role-playing or brawling gameplay is overly complex, taken as a whole, there's a surprising amount to consider while progressing your character, and enough to do to keep it from getting stale too soon. 
IGN rated it 7.5. They thought it was good. Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 is an, is an ambitious, if rough-edged experience with deceptively deep RPG and brawling elements. Hmm. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'll buy this game, but I think it would be worth it if you're really into the Dragon Ball Z franchise. Like, I love the Dragon Ball Z franchise, but mm. I don't know if I'll get this because it's, I don't know, I'm mixed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that ends game reviews for tonight. On to game news. No, not that <laughs> And the first piece of news. Anticipating the next Mass Effect, well, why not join the Andromeda Initiative? Well, that is the next game, Mass Effect Andromeda, so... Guys, we have to go through this plan if we want to join the Mass Effect Initiative. Well, according to the sign-up page, if you you do join, you'll be among the first contacted to receive critical mission information, special training opportunities, and will also be eligible to reward upon program completion. Sure, it may just be a cool marketing tool to build up hype for Mass Effect Andromeda, but it's still Mass, Mass Effect. Also, cool re- re- recruitment video, which is on the screen here. I'll have to have a look at it later. Same. But, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, the thing is, I am excited for the new Mass Effect, but at the same time, I'm not, like, head over heels going, oh, my God, I want it. Mm. It's not like that. Like, the thing is, I think, because a lot of people were like, oh, were we ever going to get a Mass Effect after Mass Effect 3? Were we ever going to do that? I said, of course you were. It's Bioware. Bioware loves their franchises. They're not going to give it up. I'm... To be, and I think it's a I- good idea that they've decided to leave the Milky Way galaxy and move into Andromeda, which is, like, mm. even cooler. But I'm just going to say, I w- I'm waiting for the next Dragon Age game, personally. <laughs> I've been in love with Inquisition, so... For those who Dragon. do want to um, become of the Andromeda Initiative, it begins on November 7. Um, so three days from now, you can sign up for that. And I, if, you were into, if you want to play Mass Effect Andromeda and get early details and... Things like that. Well, well um, according to one reading here, it's also the date that the, that everyone will be getting the first good and proper look at the game. Oh, so they might be releasing a proper like um, live stream or something as mm. well. So that might be cool. Well, that'd be good because we've seen very little about Mass Effect Andromeda besides like a few small teasers and like some concept art and stuff, but not much. Hmm. All right, moving on to the next piece of news. A new Overwatch character and Diablo 3 class have been leaked. I heard about the Overwatch character, but I didn't know about the Diablo um, class. Well, the last one is a maybe, but both images were taken from official Blizzard URLs before they were taken down or moved. Both are what you might call concept art, with, with one clearly showcasing the next Overwatch hero, Sombra which is an announcement that Overwatch fans have been waiting a long time for and should come as part of BlizzCon. And also, the second image showcasing what looks like the Necromancer from Diablo has people speculating that a new class is coming to the game. But we're not sure about that. There's nothing we'd like more than some fresh Diablo news to come out of BlizzCon, but as to what that'll be is anyone's guess. Be sure a new class would be more than welcome. I do like that neck. I do like the guard for the necromancer. Actually, it looks pretty freaking cool. Hmm. And I the want- new Overwatch character looks like she's using some kind of bloody um, laser whip or something. 
she might yeah it looks like she's got like the idea of like it's like she's got the concept of wolverine except with laser yeah laser whips and mm. stuff which i think that'd be interesting but it might be in fact she could be even be like um because i don't know all the characters of overwatch so mm. don't quote me on but think maybe like she has the ability to grab um pieces of metal and throw them at people because they seem to be attracting things on the ground mm. so i thought that might be so she could be like magneto <laughs> possibly all right moving along the next piece of news dishonored 2 goes gold and the and we have the pc specs Oh, really? So, yeah, that's right. The game's going to be released. Um, the Sun of Two has gone gold, which means the game is finished and ready to be played Ready to be played by one and all on November 11. And with that comes word that what you'll need to run this thing on PC, at least the recommended settings. Hmm. And I'll um, just quickly go through them. The minimum, you need Windows 7, 64-bit, and Intel i Core i5, uh, 2400 or AMD FX 8230 or better, 8 gig of RAM, 50 gig free hard drive space, and NVIDIA GTX 660, 2 gig or Radon HD 7973 gig or better, and requires Steam. That's the minimum. Uh, the recommended is definitely Windows 10. I can tell that from the start. Yep, Windows <laughs> 10... 64-bit Intel Core i7 40, like 4770 or AMD FX 8350 or better, 16 gig of RAM, 60 gig free hard drive space, NVIDIA GTX 1060 6 gig or AMD Radon RX 488 gig or better, and again also requires Steam activation. I think I'll just I think I'll just get it on PS4 if I wanted it. <laughs> Pretty much. It's Bethesda, but it's a Bethesda game. We all love, we'll love it. We'll now, love it because it's Bethesda. A little bit of news that uh, popped up on my feed today about Steam. Valve to tighten up its screenshot policy for Steam. What do you mean by tighten up? Is there something wrong with it? In a new post to developers and publishers, it looks like Valve has taken a look at some of the recent feedback regarding screenshots that appear on a Steam store page. In that in some cases they don't actually reflect what a particular game looks like in action um, citing its own dota 2 as one of the culprits the post goes on to state that they'd like to implement a rule which means any screenshot showcase on a game store page needs to be an actual screenshot huh hmm okay that's all i'm going to say is okay <laughs> Just, okay. Now, this next one is um, going to be interesting. The Gwent closed beta hands-on with, the, f with it, the first five days. Oh, that's the um, Witcher 3 hard game. Um, game. Yeah, yep. I've played a bit of... I played Gwent already. <laughs> Only last week, the Gwent, the Witcher card game, closed beta went into green light mode, and having been an early sign-up, and old hand at the game throughout hundreds of hundreds of hours in Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. I downloaded it and jumped in immediately. And now, just five days into the beta, I've got my first in-depth impression of the product at the moment, along with a few suggestions on things notably missing. And, of course, we're not going to read the full paragraph. It's too long. <laughs> <laughs> because we can't be bothered. But honestly, I think... But to talk about Gwent, after playing some Witcher 3 and giving the 
giving it a go. Gwent mm. just seemed like it's something I think would be... It kind of feels like you're playing Hearthstone, except you're just playing the Witcher version of it. Mm. And Except Hearthstone's completely different. But the point is, it's good to play like a card game, a card-based game in a video game. Mm. Because I'm going to challenge Koiba to a card game. <laughs> Alright, and moving on to the last piece of news for this game section, game news. Hello Games tweet calls out No Man's Sky as a mistake, gets deleted, then it says it was a hack. <laughs> Over the weekend, okay. a simple tweet was posted from Hello Games account that stated No Man's Sky was a mistake. It wasn't long before the tweet was deleted and Hello Games' Sean Murray explained that the studio's Twitter and email accounts were hacked, which explains the supposed emails that Polygon received from Sean Murray apologising for the state of the game. Case closed then, except it will get a little stranger. Over at Forbes, in, in between its posts of um, Who's the Richest Person That Ever Reached? 2016 edition comes word that the tweet actually came from a disgruntled employee within the studio itself. This is based on an email it received from Sean Murray, which has since been chalked up to being hacked. Okay, here's my... I've heard this story over and over. Like, I'm not, not just this one, but I mean, like, an excuse like this. I'm not saying that he's a liar or anything, but I'm not sure I'm buying it either, because the thing is... Mm. There's always a chance that that isn't the truth. Like, for all we know, he really did, um, you know. Well, he probably from the image I'm looking at, apparently it got 180 retweets and 139 likes before it was taken down. Well, there you go. Just basically, that just kind of explains it a bit further. I mean, mm. like, I'm not saying, like... We know that it didn't go as well, that No Man's Sky didn't go as well as we thought. I mean, it was it's probably the most disappointing game of the year, mm. as um, we're claiming it to be, but some people, some people may, even though he's claiming it to be a hack, for all we know, he actually meant it to a degree that it might have been a mistake. Mm. But maybe the mistake was that he didn't release, he released it at the wrong time. Like, yeah, I know they kept delaying it, but maybe they could have done more with it. Possibly. Yeah. Now there is one thing I would like to mention before we move on from game news because we didn't we haven't we didn't really talk about this in the last podcast because I don't think it, we actually could because it wasn't available at the time to talk about hmm. and that was the Switch. Ah uh, yes, the Nintendo Switch, or I as it was should... called, the Nintendo NX. Yeah, I think we should just briefly just talk about it just for a minute, just to say what do we think? Like, what do you actually think of the console? Like, do you think it would work? Mm, it actually doesn't look too bad, actually. I, I think it's would. I think it's a good idea. Like I know that some, like a lot of the people who've seen it, and these are people who actually play who actually have Sony and Microsoft based consoles, have actually stated that they would really love it mm. because even though it's because it's un, it looks unique, it seems normal. Like not normal, it seems different. Like I mean, it's the first console handheld hybrid, mm. and not many. And Nintendo's going on a limb. I mean, the fact that we only just got the trailer only a few weeks ago and it's due and it's meant to be released in March is a bit of a, you know, didn't get much time to advertise it. But no. at the same time, that one trailer hit, like, I don't know how many views. Well, I think Nintendo was trying to maybe push up some pre-sales over Christmas, I think. They were trying to push out 
Um, well, they've been trying to mainly advert. They've been mainly advertising Zelda and um, and 3DS titles, so they mm. didn't really want to reveal too much about it until later. I mean, the thing is, they were announced. Games were getting slowly announced for the console even before it was getting officially announced. Like mm. Sonic was getting announced, Just Dance got announced, and Dragon Quest got announced. But what I thought was exciting about and well, yeah, Zelda did too. But what I think, it, but like I mentioned before, when we talked about Skyrim. I was really excited to see that Nintendo is willing to take that jump mm. to work um, other third-party, um, you know, third-party companies. Like, yeah. I mean, God, Bethesda on a Nintendo console—that's like a dream. Mm. Um, but that must yeah, have taken I'm, I'm, years to try and work out. I would say. I think that, well, the thing is, Ubisoft actually commented about it early before they announced the Switch officially. They said that they actually liked what the NX was going to be doing, so mm. that's why they would, they said we're definitely putting games on the NX, and I think Bethesda probably saw some, you know, like, they probably saw something in that. I was like, but I thought, you know what I thought was funny about the day that we got the um, Red Dead Redemption trailer? I thought, does that mean that we may get it on Nintendo Switch as well? Mm, possibly. I doubt it, because Rockstar is very hard to convince. <laughs> we'll have to find out, won't we? But, yeah, but overall, I'm really looking side to the console. I don't think I'll buy it from the start, because, well, I don't really have the money to get a new console <laughs> now. But, you know, hmm. it's probably worth it. I think it will be worth it. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving this podcast along. That was Game News. On to Movie Reviews. And we're reviewing one of the best ones. <laughs> Which I still have to see. <laughs> you haven't seen it yet. No, I'm gonna... It comes on at my local cinema this week, so I'll be watching it there. I just have, didn't have... Uh, to, I just didn't have the time to come in and see it, so... Uh, that's understandable. Too busy doing tape well, work. <laughs> oh, I'll try... I won't spoil it while we talk about it, because I have seen it, guys, so let's... And once I yeah. do see it, me and Chris will probably do a quick review. <laughs> Like our Civil War and Suicide Squad review. Correct. Yeah. Well, I'll let you read your bit and then I'll just say my <laughs> thing. Well, as you know, a former neurosurgeon embarks on a journey of healing only to be drawn into a world of mystic of the mystic arts. Doctor Strange was released, what, last week? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Last week, it currently has 8 out of 10 by IMDb, and Metascore has an 8 of 74. Um, well, that's, to be honest, I totally understand why. <laughs> but I'm going to go on a limb and talk about it, like, without spoiling, because I actually did release a non-spoiler review on my page, because I, I honestly don't like to spoil these movies unless it's a full review, because... Mm. Honestly, like this. Okay, I'm just gonna say the what, before I talk about it. Mitch wanted me to actually do a video review of Doctor Strange, <laughs> and I said, but I said no because I said if I went and did a review because he wanted we could have just done a spoiler free review. Said if I wanted to do a review, I probably would have spoiled it constantly. <laughs> yeah, so we'll wait until I see it and then we'll both do a review like we did with the other ones. Yeah, but I can. But from what I what I can say, I'll just say, 
and I know this is a big stretch even coming from me, but I liked Doctor Strange more than I liked Civil War. Hmm. And that's a pretty big stretch because I loved Civil War. It was like the big... It was my favourite movie of the year for months mm. and months. Like, even even Suicide Squad didn't live up to it. Like, I loved Suicide Squad. I'm not saying it was bad because I loved it. Mm. But it didn't come even close to um, Captain America. But Doctor Strange, I mm. loved it more. And it's weird because the thing is, I love Civil War because of the fact they had all the crossovers. They had Spider-Man, they had Black Panther, and it was just a really good story. But this just feels really different. Like, Benedict Cumberbatch is a fantastic Stephen Strange. Like, there's times when I was kind of like, uh, he's playing an American, but he's, he's and it's really, and he's struggling at times mm. to keep that voice. Like, when you see the movie, you'll notice there's a few times where his English accent comes back. Mm. And so, there's some really good things there. And there's, and all the actors are really good. And the thing is, it's interesting because this is the, fir- this is a movie where we've had no characters come from the past. Um, yes. So I won't. I'm gonna, yes. Like I, like I said, I'm not I haven't seen the movie, movie yet, but I already know it's going to link up with the other one somehow. Oh, yeah, it is definitely links. I won't say what they are, but there is definitely links with forthcoming films and past ones. Mm. And But, yeah, the cast is fantastic. Like, um, Chiwetel Elgifor was good. Rachel McAdams was good. Um... Mads Mikkelsen, good, but but honestly, Tilda Swinton, who plays the ancient one, is just fantastic. Like, oh, it's mm. just like, oh. <laughs> um, but I'll just briefly say my opinion is I loved it. It's definitely one of the best superhero movies I've seen in a, in a while. Like, it's not my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. That would be Captain America Winter Soldier, but it's definitely near the, near the top. <laughs> it's second place. Yeah, it is, because Civil War was second place. <laughs> All right, moving along to the next movie up for a review, Hacksaw Ridge. Isn't this this movie? Isn't that this movie with Mel Gibson? Yep. Oh God. <laughs> World War Two American Army medic Desmond T. Doss, who served during the Battle of Okinawa, refuses to kill people and becomes the first uh, conscientious ob- objector in the American history to be awarded the Medal of Honor. Huh. Well, actually, it doesn't star on Mel Gibson. It's a movie he directed. Mm. Sorry, guys. I actually, <laughs> it's another movie. Actually, no. I saw him in the. I saw him in the um, photos, but he obviously was in his director outfit. God. Yeah. Actually, they actually got Andrew Garfield, Vince Vince Vaughn in a World War Two movie. That's just weird. Well, apparently, <laughs> from what I did read a while back, every single actor in this movie actually went through boot camp. Yeah, I think he, Mel Gibson encouraged that because he's done so many movies that have been centered around war anyway. Mm. So, because of the fact, you know, he did Gallipoli, he did, um, he's he's done a few, I can't name them all, yeah. but I know he's done Gallipoli and all that. And and it's a, it's also an Australia, and it was filmed in a, mostly New South Wales, it's definitely an Australian film. Mm. So it's not, and, well, after all, Mel, even though Mel Gibson's American, he's always been that- more Australian. Isn't it interesting how many American movies are actually filmed in Australia? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, look, I mean, we had Pirates of the Caribbean. We just had Thor finish. We've got Alien Covenant filming there. We, we got had, Aquaman. um, what is it, The Wolverine. Matrix? Yeah. It's because Sid- Australia, Sydney and Queensland have the best filming locations. Mm. Like, even South Australia filmed parts of Jaws. Mm. That's just... 
proven point. But anyway, back to the movie. I mean, I'm not really a big fan of World War movies. I've never been a fan of war movies at all. Mm. But from what I'm seeing in these reviews, they it seems watch watchable, watchworthy. I mean, yeah, it's Mel Gibson as well. Mel Gibson is great. Mm. I mean... I thought he was dead. Well, IMDb <laughs> rates it 8.7 out of 10. That's just with just under 2,500 votes. And Metacritic has given, or Metascore, sorry, has given it 66. Okay, it's different here. Um, Angry Rotten Tomatoes gave it 90, mm. which is pretty good. Um, yeah, I think it's, I don't know, like, as I said, I thought Mel Gibson was dead there for a while. <laughs> wow. No, he's just, been, he's just been hiding behind the camera. Yeah, he's either been doing that and letting Tom Hardy take over his job as Mad Max <laughs> and stuff like that. So, mm. but I don't know. It's like it's kind of it's like in the last few podcasts, I've actually just been saying like I thought he was dead, <laughs> <laughs> like Sam Worthington. I thought he was dead too. Mm. <laughs> All right, let's move to the last movie for our review: Trolls. Is this that animated movie? Yes, <laughs> this is the uh, DreamWorks movie. Can't stop the feeling! <laughs> After the, um, sorry, let's see if I can't read that properly. Burgeons invade Troll Village. Poppy, the happiest troll ever born, and the, I can't even say that name, Branch set out on a journey to rescue her friends. Hmm. Oh, God. Well, I know, before anybody else, yes, I made that reference, that song reference, because it is the song that goes with the movie, mm-hmm. and because Justin Timberlake is in the movie as well. <laughs> oh god you know I think it's hilarious it took them this long to actually make a movie based on these trolls well we do have another announcement coming up in movie news which I think will get a lot of laughs oh really oh god I'm <laughs> terrified alright um, I think I'll just before, I'll just quickly say mm. something DreamWorks movies have not been getting my attention lately because honestly the last good ones in my opinion were well, honestly, I've got no freaking idea. Probably Shrek 2. <laughs> um, but, I don't know, it might be good for kids especially. Like, mm. that's usually what I... But I still go and see these movies only for curiosity. Like, because I've got my cousins come down, they go and see it. So I always go and watch them for curiosity. Mm. Seems like a movie. Like I said, what took them so long to do a movie based on these little trolls? Uh, I don't know. Well, IMDB rated 6 out of... 6.6 out of 10. That's just with over... 2100 votes and Metascore gave it what is that 48 or 49 had to read uh, okay well Rotten Tomatoes gave it 75 which is not bad mm. for animated animated movies unless your Pixar don't get that good score pretty much <laughs> Pixar actually no Pixar's awesome mm. <laughs> alright that ends movie reviews now on to movie news Yay, and there's a Predator announcement. (laughs) (laughs) The first piece of news, the surprising location where the new Predator movie will take place. Awesome. In the three Predator movies we've seen discontinuing Alien vs. Predator chapters, a new setting has been selected each time. The first movie, of course, brought us to South American jungle. Predator 2 was set in LA, and Predators took audience to a Tatelia creature's homeworld. Shane Black's upcoming sequel, The Predator, will continue this tradition, but in a very unusual location, the suburbs. Well, you know, 
it's different. I mean, they did it in a city, they did it in a jungle, and they did it on a planet, so mm. it's time to do something a bit more closer to home, I guess. True. I mean, just, are they trying to terrify us? I mean, mm. I did hear another announcement in regards to the new Predator movie. They announced that Olivia Munn, who played Psylocke in X-Men, will be playing, starring in the movie as well. Yeah, I'm looking at her photo so, now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I do like her as an actress. That's pretty cool. I mean, like... I don't know. I've watched only the first Predator. I've never really... Like, te- I like the Predators, mm. but I've never really watched the franchise because, well, I don't really have access to them. Like, I've seen... It's like Alien. Like, I wasn't... A, I hated Prometheus, but then I watched Alien, and I was like, oh, my God, this is actually so much better than Prometheus. Yeah, I mean, the original Alien trilogy is way better. Third one's not that good, though. I didn't eh, it's watchable. <laughs> Fourth one was unnecessary but mm. yeah i think predator looks pretty good i hope that that arnold schwarzenegger thing is ha- still happening uh-huh. good to s- stick around <laughs> all right next piece of news why the time tra- time manipulation in doctor strange isn't really time travel oh uh, here we go <laughs> in doctor strange the hero played by benedict cumberbatch uses his newfound magic skills in many different ways but certainly one of the most interesting is how he learns to control time. It proves that every important element in the movie, narrative and thematically, is a key factor in some of the most cinematic, cinematic, or sorry, climatic sequence, sequences. If, however, this all makes you start to wonder how time travel works in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You may want to slow your roll, this is because writer-director Scott Dickin- Derrickson has made it clear what's featured in this film is not time travel, but instead, but instead merely time manipulation. Well, yeah, sorry, kind of spoiling it there, but yeah, it's kind of true. It's not exactly time travel. It it is really time manipulation. I mean, I don't mean to spoil it, but it is pretty. Odd. But well, I think you get the feeling from the trailers anyway. For those who have not yet seen it. Like, yeah, I don't think t- they want to really import the concept of, like, time travel that they've been doing, like, on Flash, for example, because mm. that's... Because, well, as much as people would think that, well, if they wanted to time travel, we would have probably had Quicksilver alive by now, but that's not going to happen. Um, no. Well, maybe. Um, but, yeah, if for those who have seen the film, you obviously know it isn't um, time travel, but... To those who haven't, well, so, sorry to put, sorry to spoil it, but it's not time travel. Really. It is literally time manipulation, and I don't want to explain why it's time. What's making it time manipulation? But you could probably guess if you're a hardcore Marvel fan. Mm. All right, like moving me. along to the next piece of news, Quentin Tarantino comments on his retirement plans. Yeah, he has. She says he's only got plans for two more movies, and then he's done. Yeah, that, that actually kind of shocked me, actually, him quitting or retiring. He's made some very good movies. Well, you know, sometimes you've got to, Sometimes you make a lot of... You make some really good movies, make a lot of money off it, you impress so many audiences, but then there's a time you just go, I'm done. Hmm, true. We won't read the <laughs> full honest- article because, well, you know what it's like. Hmm. Mm. And... Well, I, I'd say every movie he's made mm. hasn't been bad. Like, all of them have been really good. Like, Hateful Eight was amazing. Django is really good. Pulp Fiction is like the, is like the bomb. And don't like, forget The Man in the Iron Fist 1 and 2. 
and the Iron Fist, um, Kill Bill, both Kill Bill movies, mm. they've all been really successful. Like they're all bloody and gory and all that, but they've always got really good stories, and they're somewhat and they're original. Almost every story. I mean, yeah, Django Unchained and um, Hateful Eight kind of takes some inspiration from actual, um, from real life events, mm. but it's all it's all original and it's great content. He always has great actors. I mean, Samuel, he always signs Samuel L. Jackson on for a movie and he does it. Mm. He'll do it. And I mean, there's a lot of co- questions lately that Quentin Tarantino might be up for the directing um, Deadpool two, but I actually don't think he should. Mm. Like. Honestly, he'd be great if he did, but after what happened with the director leaving Deadpool 2 in the first place because of Ryan Reynolds, I don't even know if he could work with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah, it's just my comment, though. But, yeah, I, I, you know what? Like, I understand that Quentin Tarantino is making that pretty clear that he only wants to do two more movies, but who knows? Those two movies may take time to come. We might have to wait a bit. Now, <laughs> mm. yeah, where am I? There I am. <laughs> All right, next piece of news. Starship Troopers is getting a reboot. I didn't really care for this news at all because I never really liked Starship Troopers. I thought it was good for its time, mm. but no. Yeah, well, um, as I say sometimes, we only bring the news for those who want to hear it. Oh, I, I know that. Mm. So what, what can you tell me about this reboot? <laughs> uh, according to THR, Columbia Pictures has hired Mark Swift and Damien Shannon, the same writers who tackled the upcoming Baywatch reboot, I haven't seen yet, to pen the new... Hang on. Bloody hell, piss off, you stupid autoplay. (laughs) Sorry about that, guys had autoplay kicking then. Hate that. (laughs) Uh, Where was I? Baywatch reboot, to pen the new Starship Troopers script. Neil Morris from the Fast and Furious franchise will produce the reboot alongside Toby Jaff, the same man with whom he worked on the 2002 Total, sorry, 2012 Total Recall remake, which was a pretty decent movie. It's all also important to note that the new Starship Troopers, which Columbia hopes will launch a franchise, supposedly won't remake the 1997 movie. It will instead look to the original novel for inspiration which followed soldier named Johnny Rico who was a soldier fighting in a war between humanity and the killer bug aliens. In other words we likely won't get the same satirical tone from the movie that started Casper Van Dien and Dina Meyer and Neil Patrick Harris among others. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris in the Starship Troopers movie I can just imagine that. He was. <laughs> I know, that's mm. why I was like, I, I, well, like I said, those, some of the reboots of those franchises have never, haven't been that great. Like, I didn't hate the Total Recall movie, the new Total Recall movie, but I didn't think it was great either. Mm. Like, it was nothing compared to Schwarzenegger's version, and when they did Robocop, I was so, I saw that and I just thought, oh my god, that's like, they made it M. They didn't make it R, they made it M. It's like Terminator mm. Genesis did the same thing. But I like Genesis, but I don't know. Starship Troopers doesn't seem to, doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, and it's sci-fi, and I love sci-fi, but it just doesn't appeal. Mm. All right, moving along to the next piece of news. Wonder Woman has an awesome nod to Christopher Reeve's Superman in the new trailer release today. Can we just can we just say that that trailer was awesome? Yes, I have actually got a link, another page open, which um, 
talks a little bit about the trailer, so yeah. The trailer was so awesome. Yes, I know. I saw I saw your um vlog video. Oh my god! I had to turn yeah. my speakers down. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> Superhero movies are chock full of Easter eggs these days. That's simply something that fans generally come to expect from the genre. Although 2017's Wonder Woman will be the first ever solo movie for Gal Gadot's Diana Prince that hasn't stopped director Patty Jenkson from throwing in a few amazing references to other legendary silver screen DC characters. In fact, a new tweet that just surfaced online showing that Wonder Woman will pay serious homage to Christopher Reeve's take on the Man of Steel. Check the post below, which is on the links. Hmm. Well, you know, this is the... I was talking... I was thinking about this today because you know how DC Extended Universe has been pretty criti- mm. hypocritical when it comes to critics. Like, Man of Steel was okay, but the critics... Were, well, actually, the critics didn't mind it. Mm. Uh, Batman v Superman hated constantly and yet the ultimate edition fixed it and suicide squad got the same rep same rep and yet it was awesome Mm. i think but the thing is they were comparing those to other movies like batman v superman got compared to captain america and um suicide got got compared to guardians of the galaxy can they honestly find a movie that wonder woman can can be compared to no they can't there's nothing so well maybe her original movie but that's about it yeah, but even then, it, that's not really going to do much. <laughs> like, honestly, this is what my, my friend Ryan said this today. He said, honestly, I think this will be the best movie because nobody's going to criticise it as badly as the others because mm. they criticise them for comparison. And honestly, the trailer just really shows a lot of Wonder Woman. Like, you kind of get the story, but you honestly just want to see it because we've got, a, we've got Wonder Woman in an actual movie of her own. She's not just appearing alongside Batman and Superman. She's got her own movie now, and mm. that's the most important thing and I'm I'm really excited for it as much as as much as I love Batman and Superman more mm. I do look for Wonder Woman's actual film it looks fantastic if you ask me but you must say also Gal Gadot's pretty cute as well <laughs> oh, she she's like yeah um she's on my top she's in my top 10 <laughs> um, yeah, not just that, but, like, All right. I think... Let's just, um, we're going off slight topic here, but let's just read the post. Wonder Woman finally made her cinematic debut earlier this year in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, and in Justice League, she'll team up with the DC Extended Universe, others major heroes. Before that, however, we'll be travelling back 100 years for Diana of... Them... I can't even say that. Whatever, yeah, that that solo movie to see her first time travelling to the outside world. Only three months after the San San Diego Comic-Con preview, Warner Brothers has released a new action-packed Wonder Woman trailer to get fans more excited for its release. And that exactly what they did. They got everyone excited, including me. Well, yeah, same. And I mean, I was actually surprised they released a trailer so early, but mm. DC loves to hand out their trailers like prior, to, like months before the movie's even going to be released. Like, I remember when Suicide Squad trailers got released, it was released over a year before the movie came out. Mm. It's like, so, yeah, I, I think it's exciting. I think everyone's just generally excited for this new movie because it's a solo female superhero movie. That's not been mm. done since Elektra, and Elektra sucked. Hmm. Alright, moving along to the next piece of news. What did Kylo Ren know about Rey before he met her on Star Wars Episode 7? 
There's a very good question. Do enlighten me. <laughs> Kylo Ren and Rey didn't come face to face until halfway through Star Wars The Force Awakens. But in that remaining time, they developed quite an adversarial relationship. Following their cinematic duel on the slowly collapsing Starkiller base, it's almost guaranteed that these two will meet again in the new episode. With both being more powerful in the meantime, a new special feature from The Force Awakens has us asking a specific question. How much did Kylo Ren know about Rey before they finally meeting her? Star Wars The Force Awakens 3D Collector's Edition is about to hit shelves in the US and will include an audio commentary from from director J.J. Abrams. During the scene where mm. Kylo Ren is outside Mazis's palace around an hour and a half, 13 minutes in, Abrams touches on how the Knights of Ren was already interested in the former resident of Jakku before then, in his words. One of the new relationships that we're focusing on was between Kylo Ren and Rey. They never met, but he's heard of this girl. And so now comes a moment, <coughs> excuse me, when their meeting is inevitable. And now we're back to our heroine. And, uh, and this moment is where she's about to, for the first time, being confronted by Kylo Ren, a character who she's going to have a very interesting relationship with moving forward. That was his words. Interesting. Hmm. Like, I actually never really thought about that, but there was a question that did kind of raise me. I'm thinking of a scene relatively early. Now, you remember that scene where um, the guy comes to him and says that they lost track of um, the droid? Hmm. And, um, and then he goes, what girl? It made me go... Does he mean that there's something he do- we're not we don't know about? Well, Does he know if she's a force user, like we know she is, it, Kylo Ren, hmm. even being in orbit, would be able to sense her. Yeah, that's the thing because all force users can detect force users. But the thing is, the question, like, I think there's going to be some more that we just there's a lot we don't know about hmm. Ray as a whole. There's a lot we don't even know about Kylo Ren, and I'm hope that's why I'm hopeful that episode eight's going to kind of elaborate more on that because mm. the only main thing we know that, about kylo is he's um han and leia's son and that he obviously betray and he obviously turned to the dark side um and turned on luke as well and that's the only thing we know really at the moment practically. yes and that he basically worships his grandfather darth vader like he's a god mm. and the way i see it though like i think as a wish for episode eight I'm wondering if flashbacks are going to be are going to be put into that film because just to give us more explana- more of an explanation of what happened between Episode Six and Force Awakens. Mm, we'll have to wait and see, won't so, we? Yeah, we have to wait another freaking year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving along to the next piece of news, and this one was um, a little bit of a shock when I found it, but it should be quite interesting. A Furby movie is being made. Oh God! Yes, man, ladies and gentlemen, those um. A little furry toys that every kid had in the 90s is actually finally getting a movie. Oh, God. <laughs> this is just horrible. This is a horrible thing. <laughs> All right, read it to you. Studio executives can find movie franchise in just about anything these days, but even after some suspic- uh, suspension of disbelief, you probably didn't expect them to find a franchise anywhere near the Furby line. If the studio has its way though uh, that could very well happen 
as the Weinstein Company's Bob Weinstein revealed several new projects at the presentation at Casa de Mar this week and that selection did include a Furby film via Variety. Hmm. Oh, God. Like, first the emoji film and now this. Well, if it's anything like Gremlins, it'll be fun to watch. But we'll just have to wait and see. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought they were... Re- I think they're remaking Gremlins they as are. well. But it's unconfirmed oh, yeah. at the moment, guys, so don't... Don't take a hint on that. No. Like, that was a... Rumor we wasn't heard. a rumor... I don't think it was a rumour, but it was like a discussion. Mm. Like they said there's a possibility, but no confirmation until they know for sure. But honestly, (sighs) Furby movie's not going to be good. We'll just have to wait and see. Stupid Furbies. All right, and the last piece of news for tonight, Ghost in the Shell cast defends controversial casting choice. Oh, I knew this was coming up because the thing is, this has just been so... This movie's been so controversial since it cast Scarlett Johansson in the lead. Mm, true. She's the only, what, I mean, non-Asian actor. I think there's actually another... There's, like, another two in there, but mm. not as big as her role. Yeah. But I just thought... I mean, I get where they're coming from, but come on, she's a great actress. True. <laughs> when news broke that Scarlett Johansson had been cast as the lead role in Paramount's Ghosts in the Shell film, the internet went into a tizzy. Fans clashed with as they argued over whether the actress' involvement whitewashed the film. Since the announcement was made, <clears throat> excuse me, the film's creators have attempted to ease the ruffled <gasps> excuse me there, the ruffled feathers of fans to little success. Now the cast of Ghosts in the Shell is speaking out about the controversy for themselves. Just I think, okay, I understand when th- this has happened before with other whitewashed-based films. Like, mm. we, there was even a countdown watch mojo about whitewashed um, act films. Like, they had Exodus, um, got their gods, gods and kings or something, which had Christian Bale in the role as an Egyptian, mm. and he was. But, I mean, I know it gets this gets a it gets a lot of bad press when it comes to a Japanese film. Mm. Like, it always gets bad press, and. But I honestly looked at Scarlett Johansson and I compared her look to the um, main protagonist, the main protagonist of Major, Ghost in the Major Shell. Major Kuzanagi. Yeah, uh, look, I'm not. I'm not good with names, as you know. I love the um, series, so I know all the names. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Ghost in the Shell as well, but I've never, I'm never good with, the, I'm never good with names. Like it's not like Dragon Ball Z where I know them all. <laughs> well, Dragon Ball <laughs> um, Z has a lot more simpler names. Yeah, exactly, but. The thing is, I just thought to myself, she looks fine. Like, I get it. Like, whitewashing, sure, whatever. Mm. But sometimes... But anime doesn't necessarily... Anime movies don't necessarily have to be Japanese. Like, they really don't. Like, I look at Death Note, and I don't see every character... And some of those characters look like they could easily be Mm. um, white. And I'm not I'm not being racist or anything. I would never be racist, but it's just a it's just a thought. Like I understand the controversy because it isn't a, it's a Japanese or Japanese story, mm. but I honestly don't see that. I don't know why people complain. Like I'm on that side where I just say I'm cool with anything. Like well, I honestly am. From like, what I have heard and seen, this movie is setting up Ghost in the Shell standalone complex third gig, which is season three of the highly um, popular animated TV series. 
It's been a while since I've done another another season anyway. It's been ages. Uh, about five years. That's James. That's ages. <laughs> True, but still, for the fans, the diehard fans, we're waiting. We are waiting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, then again, Dragon Ball did, Dragon Ball Z didn't get us a new season until like fifteen. Something <laughs> like that, yeah. And Twin Peaks didn't get isn't getting a new season until twenty six years after it was <laughs> after it was cancelled. Pretty much. But yeah, like, but honestly. I don't have any complaints against the casting. Mm. I'm totally on board with it. I mean, I'm just going to go see it for the fact that it's a go- it's Ghost in the Shell. Sure. I'm not going to go see it because of casting. I mean, then again, I said that about Dragon Ball Evolution. Look how that ended up. True. <laughs> but then again, you just want to go yeah. see Scarlett Johansson in a thermo suit. <laughs> Look, she's number two on the top ten. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I think that'll wrap it up for tonight. Don't you agree? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't really want to talk about my top 10, so... <laughs> anyway, guys, as always, links will be down in the description. Uh, I'd like to thank my very good friend and co-host, Ventus the Time Lord, for joining me tonight. The, the badass himself who's actually still willing to show up on these podcasts because Mitchell can't be bothered. And well, Cameron Bob Gaming at the moment doesn't have any internet because he's cut off by bushfire at the moment. Well, that's well, yeah. See, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I mean, not, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, um, if you'd like to go check out Ventus's channel, go check my um, SoundCloud profile. It's um, in the links there. And um, as always, guys, until next time, this is Jastrado saying, "See you later on Jastrado. Let's play." Bye.